Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast. This show is all about art, craft, and creativity, and I produce it weekly in the hope that it will help all of us live long and crafty lives. Drew Imborski is a shy man who loves to crochet. He loves it so much that he crochets from morning till night, six days a week, working very hard to build his reputation as a pattern designer. In this episode of Craft Sanity, Drew will share the story of how he landed in Houston, Texas, and began to make a name for himself as a crochet dude. For years after he discovered the life of a gallery artist wasn't for him, he moved around the United States and Mexico, solving one professional challenge after another. But he never quite found the job that could hold his attention long term. So, after he found himself struggling to find meaning and purpose in his life in the wake of a tremendous personal loss, he picked up his crochet hook and started stitching. I'll let him tell you what happened next. But first I want to remind you to visit CraftSanity.com after the show for a Crochet Dude original Pentagon disc cloth pattern and links to Drew's blog, Patterns and Online Shop. So let's get on with that interview. How did you get into crafts in the beginning? My mom taught me to crochet when I was five years old. So I pretty much have been crocheting all my life. My dad was an artist. Uh, not professionally, but he was very artistic. Like, his doodles were gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And he did lots of drawings and stuff. And I think several of my siblings and I got artistic uh, tendencies from him because it became it was very natural for us to be able to draw and paint. And, you know, it was very comfortable, and uh, we had a desire to pursue it. And then I think because I uh, learned to crochet so young, that those two kind of have always blurred together the crafting and the artistic tendencies, you know. So I've been a, a crafter all my life. I mean, it makes great Mother's Day gifts when you're 10 years old. Oh, yeah, and it's pretty easy on the budget, too. <laughs> you just steal your mom's stash and make her a potholder and she's thrilled. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And what, what was the first project you ever made? Do you remember what she showed first you to do? Project? Yeah, well, you probably start with the chain. Golly, yeah, you know, I really took to it fast from what I remember. My sisters had a lot to do with how well I progressed because they helped me. They're um, just a little bit older than me. They were like preteens and teens when I learned. Mm -hmm. So uh, we'd crochet together. and um, Yeah, you know, I remember I was around six. It was like a year later. My mom couldn't figure out like a swirl doily pattern. Okay. She couldn't get it to come out right. So I remember taking the pattern and just, like, doing it without even any fuss at all. Wait, and how old were you? I was about six. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. I really took to it fast, and <laughs> patterns made sense to me. It wasn't, it was no effort at all to, to make these designs that people were, you know, creating. Wow, so you were a prodigy. I guess so. I mean, I never thought about it until really recently. It was just something I always did. You know, and usually, you know, when I was in high school, I didn't go around going, I crochet. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and see, yeah, and I'm curious about that as well. But it, so it sounds like you just have had, because, I mean, I struggle with patterns. I, I look at it and I'm like, oh, boy, what is it telling me to do? How many loops do I pull up? What am I doing? So that's really remarkable. So how did that progress? Um, you know, in school, you um, did you think that when you were young, when people said, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Did you say, I want to crochet for a living? Did you know that? About I never thought I was going to grow up to be a crocheter. I, um, 
I always wanted to do something artistic. And I, uh, I took all the art classes I could in, in high school. And, you know, I, for local people that would know, I grew up in Saugatuck, which is a kind of an art community. Oh, I love Saugatuck. I go there every summer. Um. Absolutely. And it's got a big, there, like in the summertime, there's always somebody trying to make a little extra money teaching art classes to kids, you know, and, and I would sign up for those. And of course, Everyone else was trying to draw a circle, and I was going, how do you shade this, you know? And, <laughs> and they're going, wait, you're going too fast. There was just, there was a lot of artistic influence growing up. So I always thought, well, I'll be an artist when I grow up. I didn't know what that meant. You know, how does it turn into a career? Right. So it was very natural for me to, to go to art school, and that's why I enrolled at Kendall. And what did, well, you, what did you study at Kendall? Well, while I was at Kendall... I um, finished the foundation course, which is life drawing and and basic design, and I took some weaving classes and, uh, you know, just the basic drawing and painting and composition and all these types of classes. I, I was there long enough, which was a couple of years, I was there long enough to realize that I didn't want to be an artist when I grew up. Um, I love artists and I love art, but... I was learning what it took to be an artist, mm -hmm. you know, to have gallery showing, to, you know, write, you know, grant proposals, you know, for, to do what real artists that make a living out of it do, and it just wasn't my style, you know, I'm, I'm shy, and, you know, I'm not, I can't sell myself like they were saying you needed to, you know, to be successful, so I, uh, I had an opportunity to, this was back in the 80s, uh, I started a um, surface design company with a couple friends from Kendall, which meant this was before anyone knew how to rag roll or make faux marble, but it was starting to become popular. Okay. So we were going around painting people's, you know, bathrooms to look like marble, and and this was around Holland and Saugatuck, that area. Um, we did really well. It was a lot of fun, and I realized that my artistic abilities and what I really enjoyed doing was a little more hands-on, a little more like creating an atmosphere in the home or, or creating projects that are a little more tangible and useful. So you were into like the practical, creative stuff. Right. And I think that's where my crafting experience kind of drew me that direction mm -hmm. because I had, you know, crocheted afghans and, and ponchos for my mom and stuff. So I kind of had this experience where I knew uh, artistic endeavors could be channeled through the crafting channels, you know. And so how did you get from the painting of people's houses? Now, what happened? What did you do after that? Well, uh, that was a long time ago. Um, I kind of moved around, and I ended up in Mexico. I ended up in Guadalajara for five years. What were you doing there? <laughs> I went down on vacation. Oh, are you kidding me? And you stayed for five years? Oh, that's great! That's great. How did that? How did that happen? Well, it was actually wonderful. I was um, I was living in Carson City, Nevada, and I was a, a waiter. I was still trying to figure out, you know, what do I want to be when I grow up. I was about twenty-one, and uh, my roommate at the time uh, was from Guadalajara. He had come up to learn English. He was enrolled in the university in Guadalajara, and they said, "Well, if you're going to be successful, you need to know English." So he came up for a year. I helped him learn English, and then he said, why don't you come see what Mexico's like? 
So I said, okay, I can take two weeks off. <laughs> so I went down and uh, spent a few weeks. I enrolled in um, the university there. They had like a, it was a Spanish for foreigners class in their university. It was like a six-week course. So I started taking that and really enjoyed it. And a buddy of mine in the class who was getting married to a Mexican girl found a job at a place called Harmon Hall, which is a uh, a big franchise of English school in okay. Mexico. And he said, oh, I'm going to be a teacher. You should come, you know, I'll get you an interview. So the next day I went and interviewed with the owner of the school, and she hired us both. But the next day he quit. He couldn't handle it. Oh. There just for two days just to get me a job, apparently. So, oh, so then I worked there, and I uh, worked my way up, and I ended up actually becoming director of my own school there for a couple of years. Oh, wow. Which was actually very interesting because I took a school, and I worked real hard, and I made it super successful, and I was kind of bored, you know, because all the challenges that the school they gave me had had been overcome mm-hmm. through hard work and diligence. So the owner of the school, who was also the, um, the the academic director of the school, she hired me to write textbooks for them. So I spent about a year writing textbooks for this franchise school, and they, they published five of them. And it was English, like business English. It was right when the free trade agreement was starting to go through. So okay. like levels of business English. But what's interesting about that is I realized that, again, my creativity – and my artistic tendencies could be applied in something very practical. Mm-hmm. Because not only was I writing the books, I said, I'll lay them out. I'll get them ready to be printed, you know, because I have this big computer now. And, you know, and I really enjoyed the whole process of taking nothing and making it into this textbook for this course. And it was, you know, I, I applied my artistic background, you know, my design elements and all that to these books. And they were very successful. I mean, I was happy with them. They seemed happy with them. Now, were you crocheting the whole time, too? What's like, interesting about that is I was. Okay. But I think when you do something all your life, sometimes you don't realize you're doing it. Like, I was, it's like, oh, yeah, someone's having a birthday. Sure, I'll make a sweater. You know, and you just... You just do it. Up a, ...a sweater that, you know, you don't have a pattern for, but you thought would look good on them, without realizing what you're doing, mm-hmm. you know? So I actually designed a few sweaters for people down there, you know, and gave them away because they were gifts. But I could see that all through this time, the underlying art or craft thing I was doing was crocheting Mm -hmm. this whole time. And then when I came back to America, um, I was trying to figure out where I was going to live, and I ended up in Texas, which I'm very happy. I love it here. And uh, right around that time, um, my mom passed away. Oh, my she... mom and I were very, very, very close, and she taught me to crochet. So, I mean, it's a big part of my crocheting is, you know, my memories of, of mom. So, And that was what year? Mm, that was 95 or 96. Okay. Yeah. So you're just coming back to the States. and it, where Was she living back here in Michigan? She was in Michigan. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. She lived in, uh, in Douglas. Okay. And when she passed away, of course, I went into a really big funk, you know. There's the whole grieving process. And I was just kind of stalled emotionally mm-hmm. and spiritually. You know, I was just kind of stalled, which I think is a, a natural thing. You kind of, you know, you're kind of dumbfounded that your life's changed so much. Yeah. And so 
I had just started discovering like Yahoo groups and, you know, the whole online communities. You know, those were fairly new to me at the time. And I was looking, I was thinking, I was thinking of moving to Colorado and uh, getting off the grid and like grazing llamas and my vegetables and not having electricity and all this kind of stuff. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> you know, I was looking in, you know, how do you birth goats, you know? And, you know how many chickens are a reasonable amount? <laughs> but while I was doing that, somebody in the um, homesteading groups that I had joined, somebody said, there's this group out there that you can send them one Afghan square, and they'll assemble it together and make a comfort gan, is what they call them, and send it to somebody who's in need. And I thought, well, you know what? I I I need to do something for charity because I hadn't really ever done charity work before. Mm-hmm. According to Oprah, it's, you know, great. So I thought, well, <laughs> you know, I'll give it a shot. And I, crochet. I didn't have any yarn. I, it took me a long time just to find, like, one hook that I had managed to hold on to all these years. And I started uh, crocheting for this group. They're called Heartmate Blessings. And I started crocheting Afghan squares for these people. And what I didn't realize at the time, and, but what actually ended up happening, is as I was crocheting, of course, I kept having all these fond memories of my mom. And it actually, you know, it took a couple months, but I realized that that, that deadness I was feeling inside mm-hmm. was starting to turn around, and I was feeling so much more alive and so much happier. And I completely contributed to the fact that as I crocheted for this charity group, and was giving away all these Afghan squares, all the joy that my mom had always given me was becoming alive inside me again. You know, oh, how wonderful. Wasn't there anymore. Yeah. Her spirit, her spirit was, is so entangled in my crochet that I realized that it was like she, she was alive again. She was alive because she was alive in me. Right, right. You know, it was just a wonderful realization, and I realized that, you know, if anything's going to bring me joy, as far as a vocation, mm-hmm. it's going to be it's going to be crochet for sure. Well, that's just wonderful. And if you might, don't mind sharing, what what, is, what was your mom's name? Dolores. Dolores. Okay. Same last name as yours. Yes. Okay. Well, it sounds like she's what a wonderful gift she gave you. You oh, know, absolutely. to teach you that. Absolutely. So it's, and she loved crochet. My mom loved it. She she was always crocheting something. She didn't. I don't think she ever learned the knit. Boy, she, I mean, she would crochet these stuffed animals for all her grandchildren and, you know, Christmas tree ornaments. And she was always crocheting something. And so it was just kind of an everyday thing for her. Every day. Yeah. Every day. Well, that's wonderful. And so she passed that on. And so from that point, um, you just, when, when you realize that, did you, feel, did you feel better about losing your mom? I mean, were you able, feeling like you could, you could finally go forward? That was exactly when I realized that um, the joy that, mom gave me wasn't dead mm-hmm. just because her her physical presence you know i couldn't call her on the phone anymore but the joy that i felt when i thought of my mom was very much alive mm-hmm. because as i crocheted it's it's just like she's there you know i mean her her thumb always made this little clicky sound when she crocheted and i i sometimes i swear i hear it you know it's like she's right here with me when i crochet and well, that's but, really you neat. know, when I was crocheting for Heartmade Blessings, you know, these it's a very large group, a couple hundred members. You know, they're making a lot, you know, hundreds of Afghans a month. Right. Well, um, 
there's this there seemed to be a need for new 12 inch square patterns you know and several other of the heartmate blessing members designed you know 12 inch squares just to feed the group you know give them new inspiration and you know fresh patterns right so i thought well i can do that you know <laughs> sure why not so i designed uh you know a square and i would give it to the group and they would all make it and test it and you know and help me modify it if it needed to be and then i had about five or six of those over about a year period and they were just being given to the group i wasn't i still wasn't planning to be a designer at that point um but then somebody emailed me a link to the submissions page for the Accord Publishing's crochet calendar. It's a pattern-a-day calendar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it was the 2006 they were collecting, so this was the fall of 2004. Um, they were collecting, and I emailed the editor, who was Annie Modisett, and I emailed her and I said, hey, I got six square patterns. Do you want them? I thought that'd be fun, wouldn't it? See my name in print? Yeah, yeah. And uh, she looked at them, emailed me back very encouragingly. <laughs> <laughs> she gushed. She won't admit it, but she gushed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she emailed back and said, you know, I would like to dedicate a month to the good old Afghan, you know, because it's been such a part of crocheting for so many years. Because she knew that in the, you know, she had like crocheted gloves and hats and ponchos and all these other things, but she didn't really have an Afghan represented. So she said, I would like you to come up with 28 patterns in the next month. <laughs> oh, <my goodness>. <laughs> <laughs> Crochet them all up, assemble them into an Afghan, send it to me, and then we'll photograph it, yada, yada. So I, I you know, I'm up for a challenge, right? I would have passed out. Well, <laughs> I, you know what I thought? I thought... This is just the natural progression. It's, you know, if you do something and you like to do it, opportunities will come up. Oh, yeah, and you can't say no. And how do you say no to that? Yeah. You know, it's like, sure, you like my stuff. I'm not going to say no. Right, right. What a great opportunity. I would have said sure and then hung up the phone and passed out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that's what happened. <laughs> you were breathing into a paper bag. Admit it. <laughs> yeah. It was... Um, well, at first it was kind of funny, and then I kind of panicked, and then I thought, well, all I have to do is do one a day or something like that. I you know, calculated it out. And then I got this huge box of yarn from uh, the company that was going to sponsor the Afghan, which that, getting a box of free yarn, that's, that is like introducing somebody to controlled substances. <laughs> it's like, all you have to do is make something pretty out of it. Oh, my God, I could get free yarn all the time if I keep doing this. You know, don't you need yeah. more patterns? Yeah. And actually, that's what I'm addicted to. It's free yarn. Yeah. It's yeah. Free yarn. yeah. But I don't get to keep any of the items. That's the ironic part. But you get the free yarn, and then you have to give away all and the... And I have to give it all back. Yeah. But I get to play with it for very short periods. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so... I made that afghan. It's in the 2006 crochet pattern of the day calendar. It's called the Crochet Dudes Flying Afghan. And um, and there's a picture on your website. There's a picture yeah, on I my thought website. it looks great. And you did that in how many days? Uh, it took me about a month, really. And I worked diligently because I thought, you know, I have a deadline. 
uh, I have to step up. I have to show what, you know, to myself. I have to show to myself what kind of uh, professional crocheter am I. You know, I didn't get paid for it, but this was the opportunity. It seemed like a door was opening. But I thought, I have to show myself and, you know, the universe what kind of crocheter I am. Am I serious or not? So I really dedicated myself to getting that done, getting it done well. You know, every square that wasn't absolutely perfect, you know, start over. Do it again. Pull it out. So I worked really hard on that because I was proving it to myself. And also, of course, there's Dolores in the background always going, you know, if you're not going to do it well, (laughs) don't do it at all. Right. Okay, Mom. So she actually was a, quite a perfectionist with her crochet. You know, nobody would ever say that about her. She didn't have that type of personality. But when she crocheted, she did it right. You know, she didn't fudge it, mm-hmm. which I think she taught me that early on. You know, to pull it out and do it again. Yeah, and so, sometimes it is hard to uh, pull out if you especially put several hours into it. It's very hard. Yeah. It's very hard, but it's very important. It's worth it. You right. Know. Otherwise, you're not going to like your project in the end. Exactly. You get a sense of accomplishment. I, you know, I recognized an error, and I fixed it, and now it's perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, look how perfect it is. Isn't that wonderful? You know, no tucking it in so nobody sees it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or only letting someone look at it from one side, right. you know, <laughs> or, from ch- or from like 20 feet away. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it sounds like this. This opportunity, this link that somebody sent you, just was that, just that, it wasn't really a random thing because somebody thought about, hey, Drew would be great for this. Right. Um, sends you a link, you know, sent you the link, and you pursued that and got this wonderful, almost backbreaking opportunity, though. Right, exactly. <laughs> but, so you got that done, and then what happened once you, you made your deadline? What happened next? Well, that's what's interesting, and, um, really proves what an influence just a comic can have on somebody because once all that was finished and, you know, sent it off to, to New York and I was talking with Annie, the editor, Annie Modisett, who's an accomplished knit designer. I mean, she's famous and she's like a goddess in the knit world. Um, she just very flippantly said, you should think about designing. You'd be good at it. And, and, you know, it, that's all it really took to have it click in my head that maybe I should try. You mm-hmm. know, maybe I should give it an effort. You know, put myself out there, submit some some designs, try to, you know, do garments that are worthy of publishing, you know. So just with that one little comment, it really kind of clicked in my head that, yes, you know, I know I can work hard. I know I can crochet for hours on end, you know, to meet a deadline. And I can get free yarn. But <laughs> I get to keep it. I get to play with it. Um, so I thought, you know, I'll give it a shot. And then I started um, my blog. This was last February when all this started, February of 2005. I started a blog because I thought, well, I need to get out there and uh, track my progress. And the blog was always supposed to just keep me not so much motivated, but keep me on track. Right. You know, I have to I have to put something on that blog every day. You know, in my mind, that's what I'm thinking. Right, right. I have to, well, I have to do something every day then. You right, know, otherwise you have nothing, nothing to, blog to blog about. about. Right. <laughs> of course, it doesn't stop some people, but yeah. <laughs> well, <I'm, laughs> well, my blog, and that was the other thing, is I was determined that my blog was only going to be about crocheting. 
Therefore, you had to crochet. Exactly. That, you know, just to, to fulfill its purpose. Since then, it's turned into a little bit more than just my crochet. <laughs> Like my cats keep showing up, but, <laughs> and that's fine. That's well, fine. That's, yeah, they are. Yeah, kind of having a fling with that one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I can't resist her. She looks at me, and my heart just melts. <laughs> so I take lots of close-ups of them. Yeah. But anyway, I started that blog, and then I, uh, you know, I bought the domain name, uh, thecrochetdude.biz, and so I started a website. But there wasn't really anything on it, and I just started submitting designs to to magazines i have boxes of rejection letters boxes i literally had to make a section in my studio for the rejection and so you're keeping you're keeping those around well yeah because it's um they're going to go into a book you know when i'm so famous nobody can stand it (laughs) and then i put out that book and say this is what you rejected (laughs) look at how good i was and you blew it Actually, that really will happen, but anyway. Um, so I just started putting out all these uh, submissions, and, you know, you got to do a little research. You have to, sometimes at certain publishers, they don't really give you any contact information because I think they try to slow down the onslaught of submissions. So you got to really want it, so you got to kind of do some research. Right. And then when you find out somebody's name, they're, like, perfectly lovely, and they'll send you their guidelines and their deadlines and what they're looking for. And then, so I got all this information for several different magazines and just started submitting. And um, I just, this past month, had the first ones, uh, first magazines take interest in my stuff. So it's taken over a year before anyone would even take a chance on publishing one of my designs. And that's and you're already in a calendar. I'm in the calendar. I'm in next year's calendar. Um, what happened, what was an interesting avenue that um, crochet designers can take is from one, there seems to be all these little, like, they're not really coincidences. You know, Oprah would be all over me if I said they were coincidences. <laughs> and you don't want Oprah to go all over on um, so a series of events led me to designing for uh, yarn companies, and starting at the end of last summer, uh, I've had really steady where they call me and they say, you know, we need three of this by day after tomorrow. Can you overnight it if we overnight the yarn? And so I've been doing a lot of designing for, for these yarn companies. What sort of things are you designing? Well, I designed it. I designed it. <laughs> I designed um, some purses and uh, some felted accessories for the house, and I've done uh, baby blankets and um, men's sweaters. And you do that in just a couple of days? Give... That's the nature of that, what I've discovered, and I didn't think it was... Jeez, I thought there was a little more lead time. Well, see, I think what I think there are different avenues. There are um, designers that say, "I have, you know, four men's sweaters designed. Would you like to publish them?" And then they say, "Okay, get it to us in eight weeks." Okay. Here's the yarn. What I think I've turned into is these um, yarn companies go. We have a fiber market coming up in three weeks, and we need just a few more things. 
you know, call the designers we know that can handle the pressure. And so they call me as one of them and say, you know, can you get us a, you know, a baby blanket in two days? And, and you know, of course, I always say yes because I get free yarn <laughs> for two days. <laughs> if, now, how long does a baby blanket take you to make? Because um, you have to design. You're designing something. You're not working off a pattern. Well, the th- I have a lot of ideas in my head. And I okay. I keep a sketchbook. You know, when I'm out and about, uh, I'll see things, whether it's, you know, just colors that are next to each other or somebody's wearing a combination of textures or something, and I'll think, you know, that'll be interesting someday in a, in a crocheted item. Mm-hmm. I keep a sketchbook and, and notes. and So it, it's not like I have to sit here and think, hmm, you know, what would be good for a baby blanket? What I, I'll review my notes and I'll think, you know, this stitch combination would be great for a baby blanket. It'll be soft and pretty and cute. And then I'll apply. So I'm kind of prepared for their call, even though I don't know they're going to call. Okay, yeah. so you always have some ideas you can fall back right. on. And then the actual, so you've got a plan usually ready when you get this a call from a yard company, but how long does the actual um, crocheting take you? If I were to do a baby blanket, I would probably take, you know, which is about, what, like 25 by 35 inches. Yeah, that usually. would probably take me at least three hours, I would say. Wait, you can get the whole thing done in three hours? Wow. Can't you? <laughs> I, I think I'd take a little bit longer than that, but um, how many, so how many stitches per minute do you do? Have you ever timed yourself? Oh, I've never timed myself. That would be really interesting. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm interested in that because I, I, her name escapes me at this point, but I'm going to have to look it up. When Martha Stewart got out of jail, she had, um, on one of her first shows, she had the fastest crocheter. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a crocheter, not a knitter, but in the world, the world record holder. And um, I can't remember how many stitches it was, but it was this ridiculous. It looked like a machine making that she was making a poncho, I think, for Martha Stewart's dog. Um, and it was just, it was like a machine generating this this garment. Um, so, but it sounds like you're probably pretty close to that. <laughs> I, just, I, I like to go fast. Um, I was scolded in high school by my mom to slow down because she was afraid I was going to make uh, like a lot of mistakes. And it took her a while to realize that, you know, I'm just, I'm kind of fast. Yeah, and do you, it helps. Do you have to look at what you're doing, or yeah. do you just kind of do? Yeah, I know I have to look. Okay. Uh, certain stitches, like uh, chain stitches, like if I have to chain 75, I don't have to sit there staring at it. Mm-hmm. But, but to actually crochet, you know, anything bigger than a chain, yeah, I look. Yeah, otherwise it could be a. Yeah. You know, I stay focused. <laughs> focused on what I'm doing. So it sounds like you're able to. You can crank out really fast. Uh, a you know, blanket and 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 it, do you do you find that I mean do you have any kind of like residual effects of crocheting really fast like I mean do you have your hands get sore or, you know do you I just end up with this desire to have more free yarn okay <laughs> it's like oh I'm done with this okay more not, more yarn okay no actually no I don't ever I don't ever get tired or sore or anything I you know I've met people that have issues with. Especially when they try to switch from knitting to crocheting back to knitting. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems to um, tire them out, their muscles and their tendons. But, no, I don't really have any. I think it's, again, I think it's because I've done it all my life. Right. It's not just, you picked it up two weeks ago and you're right. crocheting like, a, you know, just a fanatic. Yeah, you've, it's part of, you're, you've trained for this. Right. That's <laughs> when everything was forming. Right, right. It and so you, in such a way that I can crochet. And I pretty much... 
I crochet from about 7 a.m. to about 11 p.m. Wow. Every, you know, every once in a while I have to stop and I have to put my blog entry, so I'll take 20 minutes here, go to the post office. So you are, you're, you're crocheting for way more than, wow, that's more than 12 hours a day. That's like all day long. <laughs> it, it's all day. And like it's, all your waking hours pretty much. But see, the way I have, um, the way the crochet dude is going, it's, well, I have all these deadlines for these crochet magazines now. Well, I also have these deadlines for these yarn companies now. And, well, I also have my own line of patterns that I put out. Right. So I want to keep developing those. I can't ignore any of those. You know, I couldn't ignore any of it. And, you know, I have my blog, which I have to blog every day because that's what keeps me going. Because mm-hmm. you know? if I don't blog every day, I might not crochet every day. Right, right. So I have all these different, and then I still do my charity work with Heartland Blessing. And so how often are you making uh, squares for charity? Well, you know, I got real, real busy this year. And so I thought, well, I'll be clever. I put out a call for squares on my blog. I said, well, you know, I'll get 10 or 15. And then I'll say, well, I generated 10 or 15, even though I didn't make them myself. You know, I got them made. Mm -hmm. And within about three weeks, I got over 500 squares. Oh, my goodness. I don't have boxes of them stacked up. Wow. I send out like 35 of them a week to the assemblers. Wow. Oh, and they're so grateful because, you know, they can make all these Afghans and so that's been my contribution. I so, think my powers for good. Well, yeah, that's that's great. I mean, because it, it's not you've you've still remained committed, even right. though you have um, a lot on your plate right now. Exactly, and I, I the heart made blessing doing work for them, like I was saying earlier, has has changed everything for me. You know, I'm totally dedicated to them, and you know, very grateful for. They didn't know what they were doing, but very grateful for what they gave me which is this new, you know, newfound freedom. Well, it sounds like just in less than a year's time, or maybe, you know, roughly two years' time, you've been able to go from crocheting for charity to, you know, now making this, you know, your your job. This is what you right. do. And how how challenging is that to, you know, once the stars begin to align and you're like, okay, this is when I'm, I'm actually making a go at this, how challenging is it to, to make a living as a, uh, designer. To make a living as a designer is challenging in that, for example, if you have a design, like I submitted designs for a certain magazine uh, back in February. Well, because they work, you know, so many months ahead, it's due, you know, the final thing they accepted and said they would buy is due the beginning of May. But that won't be published until January. And they don't pay you till after it gets published. Oh, boy. So there's a lot of lead time going into it. There's, you have to uh, plan way ahead. And you can't, you know, it's, I liken it to being an actor. Mm-hmm. You never know where your next job's going to be. You know, you're constantly going on auditions. And, you know, it'd be great to get a steady job, but not very many actors have the steady income. Mm-hmm. You no, know, they're constantly getting new gigs. And that's kind of what, that's the challenge is you have to be willing to, you know, right now I have, you know, a bazillion things that are due in a couple of days. But in the midst of all that, I still have to be putting out design submissions. I still have to be putting out, you know, trying to get more work because in three weeks, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, so the challenge is to keep the work flowing, to keep it going, to get, you have to be willing to be rejected a lot. 
And that that's not just for beginner designers. I've, I've talked to established designers that say they get rejected all the time because, you know, and it's nothing personal. It's just that editor doesn't need what you submitted, you know, for what their vision for their publication is. So there's a lot of lead time and there's a lot of rejection. Uh, to make it full-time, I think you have to have multiple avenues. Um, for example, I have my own line of patterns. I also work for companies and I work for the magazine. You know, so you have to diversify to really make it work. Well, and it sounds like part of your, you, you, you kind of set yourself apart too because you're the guy that companies can call or, you know, anyone who needs a pattern quick, they know, okay, Drew can, can whip something up fast. Right. So that's. And I think that comes from doing it full time. It's kind of a, it does, it creates a circuit. It's a full circle thing. That if I were doing this part time after working all day, I wouldn't be available to, to get the yarn, make it, and go to FedEx and FedEx it back the same day. Right. Which I've had to do sometimes. Wow. So, um, becoming a full time designer has given me the freedom to be available, which in turn makes me a full-time designer. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're you're very happy doing this. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Were you surprised at how quickly you found yourself in the midst of the design world where you're at first not really sure how to get started and now you're completely immersed in it? I was very surprised at how quickly it picked up. When I... When I put my blog out there after the whole flying Afghan uh, opportunity, mm-hmm. I had just, not too recently, but about a few months earlier, had just bought um, a 1938 fixer-upper house here in Houston. Okay. And my goal was that in two years, this will be renovated, you know, because I'm doing it myself. And at the end, by the time this house is renovated in two years, the crochet dude should be picking up steam to where there would be an easy transition. Mm-hmm. But I, it was by about July that I was doing stuff full-time. It took, you know, just a few months. So it kind of took me off guard. I've had to um, really reevaluate my free time and use it a lot more wisely than I thought I would have to as far as getting the house renovated. So it sounds like your crocheting's uh going really well and the renovations might be going a little slower than planned? It's, it's much, much slower, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot, there are a lot of projects that are, you know, still on the drawing board that I really thought would be finished by now. You know, I, I planned on them. You know, I'm not going anywhere, so it's not like I'm trying to get ready to sell the house. So it doesn't bother me too much. But, um, yeah, now it's finding that balance. Very, The crochet dude picked up a much quicker than I thought it would. I'm very, very grateful, and I'm loving it. You know, it's a lot of fun. So, well, it's it, it's not, and, and that's the bottom line is to to get to yeah. do what you want to have fun is is what I think a lot of people um, a lot of people listen to the show. I think I think a lot of us are like, oh, you know, that'd be so awesome to get paid. But it sounds like it's challenging because you can't take three days off and right. have someone pay you for sick days. You know, because exactly, you can't take time off just like that. And if somebody calls today, you know, you have to step up. Yeah. You know, and be willing to do it, and also. You know, it doesn't matter what yarn you're sent. You got to make that yarn look the best it can, 
you know, you're you're there to make that yarn look good. And, and have you received yarn? You don't have to say what kind or anything, but have you, have you received yarn in maybe a color that you didn't care for or a texture you didn't care for and thought, oh, boy, I've got to make this look good? Well, what I've received is I've received design ideas that were something that I probably had seen before. Okay. Like, oh, it's one of those again. So I always take that as the challenge. I'm going to make that design. I'm going to put my artistic spin on it. I'm going to make it unexpected. You know, use a stitch combination that people just don't expect from crochet. You know, people look at my crocheting. I get feedback a lot where they say, wow, you know, I couldn't even tell that was crocheting or, wow, the drape is so nice. It's not chunky and clunky and, you know, it's so pretty. And, oh, I might take up crocheting now. You know, that makes me feel really good because my goal is to make, no matter what I do, make it look good. So the the big, the yarns that I've been sent, you know, they've all been nice. You know, the newer yarns, um, the industry's moving away from the novelty fur and all that, which has its place, but not necessarily, you know, be the star of the show anymore. Right. So I'm getting a lot of, like, natural fibers like wools and stuff like that that are actually very nice to work with. Um, a lot less of the novelty stuff, which kind of isn't necessarily the prettiest when you make an entire garment out of it. Right, so right. I'm coming into it after the industry had already done the whole, you know, let's make everything out of boa yarn or whatever. And you're and you're kind of glad, I think, it sounds um, like. Well, it's a little girly for me. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, you're the crochet dude, man. Well, yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I, I don't mind making something pretty if I have to. Right, right. No, I'm actually, I'm more focused on the fabric itself that I create. I want it to feel good and look good and hang nicely. And even if it's the most basic design, like just three rectangles sewed together to make a jacket or something, I still want it to look like it's special. Even though, you know, the person that made it goes, wow, this is so easy. Mm -hmm. You just turn it sideways, you know. Now, I'm curious about when you design whether it be garment or just, you know, any other item that you're making, do you have, like, books of stitch, uh, like, stitch books, uh, like, with basic stitch patterns, or do you find that you're making up some of your own, a lot of your own combinations of stitches to go into your design? Just wondering if you have, like, a stitch Bible somewhere that you look and say, okay, I like like that, you know, whether it's, you know, the cable of some kind or a bobble or whatever. Um, I do have several stitch dictionaries, and I do refer to them actually quite a bit. Um, I also have a couple of, like, really beginner crochet books mm-hmm. that, although they're not teaching me to crochet, just their, um, the way that they approach teaching the crochet to somebody who would be new, that helps me to, to think about how a garment or something should be designed, you know, based on, you know, again, when you do something all your life, you have to think about the fact that some people maybe you just picked it up last week. You know, mm-hmm. they're new, but they still want to make something nice. So those books really help me, like pull it back, look at it from a different point of view. Um, it's what I'll do is I'll if I get an idea in my head, if I see something, or I just get the idea in my head that oh, wouldn't that be interesting? Uh, I'll refer to Stitch Dictionary. What I usually do is I usually make up a swatch of my idea. Okay. You know, like an artist would make a sketch. Sure. I make up a swatch and I put it in my sketchbook. 
and um, that I can refer back to. But I think uh, stitch dictionaries are they're invaluable because uh, really good ones. You know, they have clear photos. They'll have it diagrammed and also written out. And you, I, what I find is I'll go in and I'll find two of them and put them together, or you know, two different combinations, and or I'll do one of the combinations and turn it sideways to see what it looks like. So, okay. Yeah, I think they're great. I I like using my stitch dictionaries. Uh, yeah, I'm write a stitch dictionary. You should. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you, why not? It seems like you, uh, with your um, being this, you know, crochet has been part of your, you know, something you've done all your, all your life. Why not? Exactly. Yeah. That, well, get on that. Yeah, you better let me know, too, when you do it, so we can uh, let people You'll know. you first to find out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I do do other crafts. I mean, I don't know in your day if, you have, if there's time for other things, but are you interested in other other crafts? Well, last year... Um, right about when I started blogging, I also started uh, knitting. Um, for the first time, I learned, I taught myself by looking at a website online. And I, so I started knitting, and I really took to that. I really enjoyed it. The learning curve was so hard. Oh, it, it compared to crochet. Yeah, I learned to crochet when I was five as well. And when I, I tried to knit a couple times, it didn't work out so well. But um, in my early 20s, I finally was able to master it. But it's um, very difficult especially if you're going from one hook right. to two, or right. one hook to two sticks, you right. know. Exactly. It's so foreign. Everything feels so weird because it's just so different. But I did I did actually learn to knit continental, which is you hold the yarn the same as crocheting mm-hmm. for me, at least I do. And so it feels uh, just familiar enough that I was able to really, you know, give it a good go. And so, yeah, so I learned to knit. I also, well, I still paint, um, uh, to make extra money, back before the Crochet Dude took off, I would do uh, pet portraits, portraits of people's cats and dogs and horses. Uh, so I love to, I still like the oil paint when I have the time. <laughs> yeah, well, that's awesome. Yeah. So there's several artistic things you can fall back on. Right, yeah, and I, and I enjoy them all. I mean, I really enjoy painting, and I enjoy drawing, and I enjoy renovating my house, which is um, woodworking and, you know, painting and all that so it's a craft also so yeah i have several crafts that i like the knitting is again being in you know having an opportunity is um i submitted to uh the editor that was putting together a book called men who knit and the dogs who love them Mm -hmm. and you know i was thinking i better learn to knit so (laughs) i taught myself to knit so i you know that part was true on my resume and uh Actually, it worked out that this person, uh, it's Annie Modisett again, she and her publisher decided that it would be good if they had um, a whole text part of this book, not just patterns, but actually text about men who knit, uh, profiles and anecdotes. And so they invited me to come on board and co-author it with them. So I actually knitted one of the sweaters that's in the book, and then I, I co-authored it, did all the text for that book. So I've actually... Um, had opportunities with my knitting now, which I'm you know, thrilled about. Well, and that's, that's the book is that, that's coming out in the fall. Coming out this fall. Yeah, have they given you a month, and that'll be on uh, available in bookstores? Uh, I believe September is what I heard. Okay. But I don't know the date. I wish well, I did. well, if you can, you can update me um, when that comes yeah. out, and I'll just make a little announcement on the show. Um, yeah. That oh, that'd be great. Yes, we can let people know to look for that when to look for that. Um, well, that's exciting because does that also give you a chance to network with some other gentlemen out there who are crafting as well? 
Right, exactly. I, my my uh, main focus was researching and finding men who knit. How hard was it to find guys Not knit? hard at all. It's all ne- Everyone's network now because of the Internet. You know, I belong to a group of uh, men who crochet. You know, there's 300 of us. Wow. And then I uh, got involved, of course, with the men who knit, and there's just, you know, the hundreds and hundreds, and they're all networked via, you know, their blogs and, and men who knit groups. And so it was pretty easy to find them. And then finding ones that would participate, although it was uh, easy, you know, because everyone wants to participate in something like that, not a whole bunch stepped up. You know, I got, I think I 40. 40 guys, out of all the research I did, I was able to get 40 that would submit their profiles and their photos and be interviewed and all that. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I was very excited to... It was very interesting because a lot of these gentlemen are a little bit older. How, like, how old would you say? Oh, you know, 60s and 70s. Really? That's not old. Well, the, the guys who are knitting, or, or is it crocheting? The time. Okay, they've been knitting the whole time. Yeah, they've been knitting this whole time. They have experiences that are just amazing about, you know, because they went through the whole hippie revolution where everyone was knitting and crocheting, and which it changed from when, you know, it was all 50s stuff that was all, like, classic lines, and then it turned into hippie ponchos. And, you know, they have all these experiences, and they've lived in these big cities where, you know, all this happened, all these revolutions happened. So it was fascinating to talk to them, and, you know, sent, they sent pictures. And Are they from all walks of life? All walks of life, all parts of the country. You know, just amazing. You know, and some of them are in the theater, and some of them are accountants, you know, and some of them taught their wives to knit, and other ones were taught by their grandmothers when they were kids, you know, to make socks for the troops overseas. You know, it's just fascinating story. Did you find younger men as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh absolutely. Is it, would, you, would you say that, because um, obviously it's been highly publicized just how women have gotten, uh, you, know, you know, sucked into the crafting mm-hmm. frenzy that's going on and that right. knitting is all the rage now. And it's usually focused, though, the publicity and the press is usually focused on women. Um, and men, you know, don't seem to get as much, um, you know, recognition for what they're doing in the art and craft world. Um especially when it's in the context of our kind of pop culture right now. Um, but what did you find, you know, as far as, like, why men said they were crafting? Did, did they give you off for various reasons, or was there well, a common thread? Yes, it, it depended on their experience. Uh, there seemed to be just several basic categories, like the ones that were taught when they were kids by their grandma or their mom, you know, as a summer project. So they've always had it in their lives, so it was very natural for them to keep crafting as they got older. And then there's the set of people that, um, the guys that wanted to spend more time with, more uh, quality time with their wives because they watched their wives knit or they kept bugging their wife, you know, will you make me a hat? You know, I'd like one blue this time. And she has like 10,000 projects, so she teaches him to knit uh, so he can make his own. And there's also this uh, a set of guys that learned to knit because they had there's several of them that had jobs where they had a lot of downtime, where they'd be sitting there waiting for the phone to ring and they needed something to do, so they thought, well, I've seen people knit. So there's several different categories. Um, it's usually they see other people and they, they, they want to, to learn it. And I've been amazed that, you know, the majority of the guys were, yeah, I knit on the bus on the way to work, you know. They, they're out there in public without even thinking anyone's looking at them or might judge them. 
That makes me very happy. Yeah, because it is unfortunate that, you know, it should be that way where guys can knit and crochet wherever they want and not be judged or, because I think, I mean, the stigma out there is that this is a very, like, feminine thing to do. And, And you know. It's not feminine. It's just been uh, categorized that way. Certainly. Certainly. It's been feminized, I think, in the media um, and just in, you know, people's perception. It's just, you know, it's one of those stereotypes. And, And how have you personally kind of, Maybe you could talk about your experience because you've done this your entire life. You've you've known how to how to how to crochet. And did you find growing up? Um, did you just do that at home, or were you comfortable being outside? You know, um, someplace crocheting. I mean, was you crochet in public as a kid? As a kid, no, I never crocheted in public. Although I wasn't afraid to give away my items that I made. So you'd give them to friends. Yeah, I, and- yeah, I would give them to friends or to you know relatives or whatever. And and they'd know that I made them, made the, the item. Mm-hmm. You know, so I never tried to hide the fact that I was making it. But I never really crocheted in public. Um, that's continued. I, I don't really crochet or knit in public uh, now either. And wh- why, why do you think that is? Well, I'm so shy, obviously. I don't like to talk about myself. <laughs> so, so you, you would, your concern would be that someone yeah. might come up to you and ask you what you're doing, and then you're suddenly in a conversation with a stranger, kind of like you are right now. No, you're doing, you're doing just fine. It's more because people, well, you know, they go to these uh, stitching meetings. They're right. Very right. well organized. I went to one, and I sat there, and all I did was sweat. I was so nervous. And I'm so focused on my knitting because I don't want to make a mistake. You know, and everyone's talking, and it's like ten conversations going on at once. And I was like, oh, my God, i got to get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if I could just go and sit there and drink coffee and talk to them, I would probably have a good time. But with the – I think it's because I want my craft to be good. So if I have any, uh, like, outside influence, I'm afraid I'll get distracted. Oh, I see. Okay, so you like to – when you're doing your crocheting or knitting, you want to focus on it. Yeah, I don't want distractions. I don't want people to call me up in the middle of the day. Right, and, and yeah, just like I've called you up in the middle of the day. <laughs> I'm, I'm so kidding. sorry, Drew. <laughs> oh, boy. So it, 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 it sounds like, um, so for you, this is not, it's not like you're not ashamed of what you oh, can no. do. It's just a matter of you, you're so serious about this that you're, Really not looking to, because it is work for you. This is your job. You're right. not looking to just kind of, oh, well, if I have to pull out, you know, the whole sack, fine. You know, you want to, especially you're kind of into production crafting well, right now. Is. A lot of it has to be done today or tomorrow, you know. It, like our local meetings on Thursdays from 7 to 9. So, well, I'm usually crocheting after dinner about 6, from 6 to 11 I crochet. So it's like, oh, well, I have to put on clothes or maybe brush my teeth, and then I have to drive a half hour, and then I have to drive back. So I'm like, you know, I calculate all the time I'm losing by going to the stitch meeting. And, you know, they're lovely people. I really enjoyed it the time I went as far as the people. You know, they're a great group. But I, I have a hard time justifying uh, the time that I'd have to lose to go, and then when I'm there, I'm not going to be as productive, you know. So, so you just rather continue to... So I just, you know, I just keep working, and then it's like 8.30, and go, oh, that was tonight, I should have gone, I want to go next week. <laughs> well, has the Internet, though, filled in that void for you? Because while you might not go out and sit in a group and craft with a bunch of people um, that you can see, um, you might, uh, do you find that your website um, 
and your blog has helped you to connect it's with other that. people. Yeah. And I connect on a level that I enjoy very much because it's the people that I interact with are, you know, they're, they're kind of smart Alex and having fun and, you know, they're not taking it all so serious or anything. They're just joking around. And, you know, there's several blogs that I go on and they always come and comment on my blog. And, you know, we kind of have an understanding of the, what it's like to be crafting a lot but then not take it so seriously. Yeah, I actually, I, I really enjoy the, uh, the craft community online. They're real good people. You know, they're very helpful. Everyone's willing to help you, and, you know, and they're not afraid to ask for help, and they're patient if it takes you a day or two to respond. And, you know, it's, a, it's a good community of people online. Well, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, how people respond to your work. Because you, uh, you're probably a bit of a novelty, even though you found hundreds of other men out there who are knitting and crocheting. Um, in the craft world that you're probably you're connected with, uh, do you find that you are a minority as a man uh, with the people you're in daily communication with through your website? Um, I would say that the, the grand majority of people that visit my blog are women. Okay. As far as the ones that leave comments. Now, right. You know, I get a, you know, thousands of hits a month. Um, but I only get about 10, 15, 20 comments a day. So um, it's only a small percentage that comments. So I can't really, you know, there's no really way to know the percentage. But I would say that based on the comments, um, the grand majority are probably women. Um, the men that I know that craft, I don't, you know, I don't know any that do it professionally. There's one that's a publisher, but he's not really a crafter, I don't think. Um, the the professional designers that I interact with online are all women. So I think I think in the professional sense, uh, I would definitely be in the minority. Why, why do you think that there are not more, that more men aren't working as professionals? Do you think it's a, maybe a byproduct of some of the the stigma that's out there, where you know guys might be really talented at it and really like it, but just not want to have to deal with everybody and saying, "Oh wow, look at this man, he's crocheting." Wow, you know. Well, I do think that is a part of it because when I very first started, that was all the comments I got. I oh, is everyone was just a man that crocheted? So they weren't really commenting on your work. They're caught up in the whole. They were caught up in. He's the a whole dude. Comment. Yeah, he's a crochet dude. And that's, you know, great because they stuck around and saw that I've actually. I, maybe it's just because I've persistently, you know, because I blog every day to make myself work every day. I put out a lot of stuff. You know, at least little things. And I think uh, maybe I've had a little bit tougher time having to prove myself. And because I stuck with it and I've done it, people are looking beyond the, the fact that I'm a dude and, and looking at my work a little more. Well, and it's great that you kind of embraced the whole, you know, a man who crochets too with the crochet dude. Is that why you named yeah. your site what it is? That, that's why I... Um, that's how I came up with that name is the fact that, you know, I want to be, uh, I want to be recognized as, you know, this is a guy's point of view, you know, this, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to break into their world, you know, or take anything away from what's already there. Cause obviously I have a, a deep love and respect for, you know, women who crochet. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's been a wonderful experience for me all my life. Right. Uh, but I am a dude, you know, and I wanted it just to say, look, you know, here I am doing my thing. You know, it's 
And I also wanted to, like, represent, and I've gotten, it's, it's amazing, because, you know, I watch Oprah, obviously, and I see people say, oh, I saw this Oprah episode and it changed my life. I've gotten emails from, like, kids, 17-year-old high school boys that said, you know, I've always crocheted, but I've always been so ashamed of it because my dad made fun of me. And it's, you know, now that I've seen your website, I feel like I can do anything I want. Oh wow, that's <laughs> yeah, so just, great. Oh, my God. You know, well, how wonderful. What a wonderful, you know, that makes it worth it. Oh, yeah, well, it's because sometimes people are paralyzed by judgment. You know, right. someone says one rude thing, and especially when you're a kid, you're oh. trying to find your way in the world. Exactly. So what a wonderful gift that you're giving these other people that look at your site. So right. that's fantastic. People use my site to convince their grandchildren that it's okay to crochet. <laughs> that's so cool. And, and apparently it works. They go, wow, there is a guy out there. Great, I'll learn. And so when you meet people, um, you know, say you're, you're going out to buy some yarn or something, you meet people or you're just maybe not having, you're in a venue that's completely not related at all to crafts, and they ask, oh, so what do you do? You know, has people talk about their jobs, yeah, sure. you know. Um, have you found that now that you've been doing this for a while professionally, that are you more comfortable talking about the fact that you crochet with people you just meet? Because I know you're a shy, you're a shy man. I'm a shy dude. Yeah. I don't like to talk about myself. Yeah. <laughs> Just ask me, I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, what I found was last year especially, I didn't want to misrepresent myself because I was just trying to be a crochet designer. Right, you right. So I was the king of the rejection letter, and that's cool. I know that's part of it, and I'm very happy with, you know, the process that it's taken to get a little bit further. But I didn't want to misrepresent myself. So last year I found that I was still, you know, I told people that I, you know, painted and I did pet portraits. And and it just kind of phased out to where, you know, then I got a business card. It said a crochet dude on it. It's like, well, I got a card. <laughs> I might as well tell people. I'm a, I'm a designer, yeah. Yeah. No. Um, but no, once I started actually getting paid for for the work, you know, people were calling me and asking me to do designs for their publications. I, I feel very, very secure telling people what I do because it is what I do. Right. So it's just a matter of getting yourself established and I then... I didn't want to misrepresent myself at first until I, I was actually a professional. You know, I didn't mind telling people, well, I've been, you know, designing patterns, you know, and that might go somewhere. But until it actually went somewhere, you know, I kind of held off. Right. Well, now it's like you're, you're, you're totally... Uh... You're very successful already in a very I short tell, amount of I time. I tell people I'm a craft designer. Yeah. And uh, focusing, obviously, with my card, they see the crochet dude, so they know I'm focused on crochet. But um, <laughs> ironically, I don't want to pigeonhole myself, despite being the crochet dude. You know? Right. You want to be open to whatever opportunities may pop up. You know? Oh, that's great. And, and I'm interested, too, in whether or not you consider yourself an artist or a crafter, or a little of both. Well, that, that um, I guess I hadn't thought of that so much, but maybe I've come up with a new category in my own head. Because the artistic part and the training and all that has always been there, but the crafting part's always been there too, and I've never, I've never in my mind separated the two. So it's just a combination. So it's like this, yeah, they have a, you know, the symbiotic relationship. And and that you know, I kind of like that because I don't, you know, I respect crafters and I respect artists equally, you know. 
And how how would you say that crochet, you know, your your the work that you do every day, how has your crafting influenced your life or enriched or really enriched your life? Well, I think that when you do something that uh is a part of your nature, um, even if it's not successful in the world eyes, you feel successful as a person. <laughs> so even if uh, you know, these designs get rejected the fact that I had the opportunity to submit them, you know, to come up with them, to make the swatches and the sketches and the proposals because it's what I really love to do, I feel successful anyway because I'm expressing myself in the way that, you know, individually is right for me. I went through a period where I worked in offices uh, and a couple different jobs where I was like an administrative assistant and, you know, the pay was good and I had opportunities to advance. But spiritually, it was, like, killing me. Mm-hmm. I, I would, like, Sunday night about 3 p.m., I'd be sitting here going, oh, my God, oh, my God, I have to go back to the office tomorrow. You know, the weekend's over. And, and I would just have this overwhelming sense of dread. You know, not just, oh, I don't want to go to work. It was, like, a sense of dread, like the end of the world. <laughs> it was just, it was, it was killing me. Yeah. that's not where I was supposed to be. You know, all my talent and all my interest was elsewhere. So spiritually, I was killing myself by doing that. Um, I think focusing on the craft and the art that, that's a part of me makes everything um, fall into place. Everything seems logical. You know, For me, it's very logical what I do all day long. It makes sense to me. Well, and you probably, in, you're, you're, you're putting into a tremendous amount of you know, time, you're working longer hours probably than you've ever worked in an office. Right. Oh, but yet, absolutely. would you say it doesn't feel like work to you? Like, in the, I mean, you're not filled with dread <laughs> every day. Oh, no, not at all. You it's know. Just, yeah, it's like, in fact, about, about five weeks ago, I said, okay, I'm taking a day off. And I'm going to take a day off every week. And so I make myself take one day off a week. So you're working six days a week. Yeah, but before that, it was seven. Oh, wow. Without even blinking, it's like, oh. Cats don't have food. <laughs> <laughs> I might as well. I should go shopping today. Yeah. yeah no, refrigerator's empty. Yeah. Now I uh, force myself to take a day off and do something that, well, it might not be crochet related, maybe cultural, like go to a museum or, or go to a little town that's near Houston and just walk around the town square. Or, you know, do something where it's out of the house, out of the crochet world, and something that feeds me. You know. Spiritually a little bit. Well, I think that's great that you've been able to make that that um, recognize that the, the office nine to five thing doesn't work for you because I think there are a lot of people who go to the office you know nine to five or maybe even longer hours than that and have the Sunday night I'm filled with dread feeling and I feel like I think for a lot of people it's hard to to let go of the security of the day job even if you know it's totally wrong for you you know I think a lot of people struggle with that and how are you able to say you know what. I'm not doing this. Because I really felt like it was really, it was, I just felt like it was killing me. Spiritually, I just felt so dead that it was like, if I don't make a change, this is just, you know, this is just ridiculous. I can't give the world what I'm meant to give them if I continue. It just, it was like, I reached a point where I just had to make a decision. You know, I just had to either do what I'm called to do and express myself through art or or it's just not worth it you know it's just you know what i mean well and you've landed yeah i totally know what you mean and i think you've landed um 
you know, you, you're doing exactly what you want, and I, you know, I commend you for that. I think it's wonderful. And I think a lot of people who listen to this are going to be inspired by that. Um, and I'm interested, you know, kind of this is my transition into who inspires you? Like, what artists, what crafters, or just where do you, what influences your work the most, do you think? A really good question. And you don't necessarily, because I know when people have asked me questions like that, it's hard, especially on the spot, to come up with, like, the one or two people. You know, if you can't think of the names right now, but other certain places where, you know, you just, you know, I guess anything you can say about your creative influences doesn't have to be specific examples, but just whatever you can say to help others see where you're getting some of this um, creative energy from. Well, the um, the art period that... Um Really, the one I I feel I relate to the most would be the Art Nouveau mm-hmm. period, which was um, just before Art Deco, and it was it was very expressive and very pretty and very um, I don't know safe and like everybody could find a place in it. Uh, the artist uh, Charles Rennie Mackintosh was you know a big influence on that period. He was a an architect from um, Scotland. And I've been to lectures on his stuff, and I've read some of the books that showcase his stuff. And I think it's just, there's something beautiful about that period, and I relate to it. So I think that um, I actually did an Afghan based on one of his stained glass windows last year. I should I should send you an email. Yeah, if you send that, I can put that on the site. That'd be kind of cool. Cause Cause I've seen- it looks like one of his... An art nouveau, it's called Nouveau Riche is what I called it. Anyway, that's a big influence on me because when I do stuff, I want it to be, I don't know, represent those things that Art Nouveau represents, which I would like my items to be pretty and accessible and have something for everyone, whether, you know, because some people are, you know, they want it to be all girly-girly. You know, it's like, well, that's there for them. But some people want it to be more earthy. Well, I want it to be there also, and I think Art Nouveau, for me, does all that for for people. So that's what I want to represent in my crafting and art also. It's that feeling of accessibility and bring, you know, bring something for everybody to the table. Um, so you're, it looks like you want your patterns to be something that people can... In a way, it looks it, it's a really cool design, but it's something that people really realistically can can do it. They can do it, yes. And I, I actually um, I kind of approach that with my patterns that I I write them in such a way that if you need me to hold your hand, it's like I'm sitting there holding your hand step by step. And if you're more advanced, obviously you can just you know quip through it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that. You know, I don't think anyone, if they're a brand-new crocheter, I don't think anyone should be, in, you know, like, oh, I can't do that. It looks too hard. So I think a pattern should help the people, no matter what level. might take them longer, but they should still be able to, to make it. Um, still thinking about that influence. That's such a good question. And I don't know, contemporary people, I, I'm, you seem to be um, unique in the sense that you're just crocheting so much. And so, I mean, just kind of, it, you're out there, in a, you know, kind of making a name for yourself, um, and really have accomplished that in a very short amount of time. So um, I'm sure there's probably plenty of people who look to you as an influence. Um, <laughs> and it, and it sounds like you um, in front. You did mention earlier too that you like to go out in nature um, and just wherever you are when you see your influence seems like by everything. 
I'm, yes, I'm very influenced by everything. That's yeah. a, it's a real good way to put it because I grew up in the country. Well, you know, 800 people in my little town and right on the shores of Lake Michigan. So there was like a lot of like wandering through woods as a kid, you know, and finding, you know, sticks that were pretty. And But then as an adult, I've lived in a, several really big cities. So the, the beauty of the big cities, which is a lot of beauty in, in, in the city, um, I've picked up on that also. So it's kind of a combination of, the, you know, the nature and the city. And I've lived in Mexico and I've lived in America. And, and so I have all these cultural influences. I have this, I really, really, really like color. Even if it's dull colors, I really, really like color and I like color combinations. And and I tend to really just gravitate toward um, anything that's nice, you know. It's, do you have, um, I like to ask people about their, their favorite things, and do you have, you know, a favorite item that you like to make or a favorite garment? Uh, what is your absolute favorite thing to crochet? My absolute favorite thing to crochet? Hmm, that is such a good question, too. As an item, I can't think of any item, but I know that I really, really like to make things where people look at it, and they go, I didn't know crochet could do that. I didn't know, I didn't even know that was crochet. I thought it was woven, or I thought it was knitted, or I thought it was, because I think that crochet has a lot of possibilities that haven't been explored in our contemporary times. I think in older times, the possibilities of crochet were explored extensively. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of flattened out. And I think everything became very expected and very, um, you know, oh, yeah, that's crocheted. So I think um, there's not a certain item that I like to do, but I do like to create a fabric that is unexpected. That's what I enjoy. If I can come up with that, then, you know, I, I'm very happy with it. Well, and I, speaking of unexpected, I was looking at your website and I actually have it open in front of me now. And I was looking at some of your patterns. And you, you were so generous because you put on your website so many free patterns that people can, and I'll be referring people to your website and right. where they can, you know, buy some of the items they choose and also check out your, your free patterns. And I thought it was really cool to, uh, for the, so you don't burn yourself with your coffee. Um, I thought that was really kind of a neat uh, neat design. Um, and if you can kind of explain what you're doing with that um, pattern. With the coffee cup cozy? Yeah, the coffee well, cup cozy. Um, when I moved out here to the... I used to live downtown Houston, but when I moved out here to the suburbs, uh, the local, you know, jazzy, hippie coffee joint, they don't use those sleeves for the coffee cups to protect yourself from the burn. And also, I don't usually hang around. If I go get a cup of coffee, I bring it home. Mm -hmm. so I'm driving with a full cup of coffee. So there are two things there. One was my fingers were always getting burned. And two, every time I hit any kind of bump, it would slosh out the little hole. So I thought, well, I need to come up with something. So I made it out of cotton so you can wash it. But with that design, it protects your fingers from the heat. But you can button it closed when you're driving so that it doesn't slosh out. And then you button it open when you go to drink it. And it looks kind of a, it, it just makes a coffee, cup of coffee look so much more interesting, too. Yeah, you're, it, you'll be the coolest cup of coffee drinker there. <laughs> People are like, what is that you're putting around your coffee? Right. It's almost like a little outfit. 
Yeah, and because it's uh, obviously you can make it to match whatever you're wearing or your car or, you know, your personality. Yeah, whatever you, you want to do. You can make it out of hemp if you're a hippie or you can make it out of, you know, silk if you're rich. But, and you also sent me, um, you sent me a pattern that we'll post on Craft Sanity um, that's for, uh, you call them dishcloths, but I'm just thinking to myself, I looked at your website again for the dishcloths. Those are so nice. Like, I would not personally want to wash my dishes with that. I mean, I especially if I went through the trouble of making it or someone gave me one, I would feel like, you know, this is so pretty, I'm going to put it under a vase. <laughs> well, do do people you tell you that? I mean, do you actually people wash do. your... People actually will make them out of thread and use them as coasters. Yeah, do you actually wash your dishes with these? Oh, I do because, you know, if you use cotton, crocheted cotton, Yeah. Um, it's just rough enough that it gets everything real clean, but, of course, it doesn't scratch anything. But how do they look after you get done washing your dishes? I mean, because they're, they're so nice. Well, I mean, you know what I did, and I recommend everyone do this, is I made one of each. So I, I, I have multiples. And then every day I get out a clean one, okay. use it, and throw it in the wash. When I'm okay, so you're not using one till it absolutely is destroyed. Well, no, then you throw it in the wash. And then if you're, you know, some people have, uh, some people are a little more afraid of bacteria than others. Well, because it's cotton, you can just um, get it wet and throw it in the microwave and cook it. And oh. throw any bugs that might be in it. Okay, so you've you know, given a lot of thought to this. Oh, yeah. And I can tell that people have said, oh, no, I wouldn't use that as a dishcloth. I'd like to use it as a pretty doily or something. <laughs> but if you're going to do dishes, it might as well be nice. Yeah, know? that's true. In your kitchen, you have used uh, kitchen cotton that matches your decor. You know, you can have your dishcloth out, and it's pretty. You know, hang it on the sink, and it looks like it matches. Yeah, know? it looks so fancy. And Almost they make too- great gifts because those um, dishcloths don't take very long at all. You know, they're only a few rounds um, of crocheting. Um, and they look, and I haven't tried your pattern yet, but I'm going to do that. Um, and I'll have to see how um, challenging it, you know, it is for because uh, I, you know, I do a lot of stuff where you're repeating the same stitch over and over. Right, right. Do you, Do you have a favorite stitch yourself? A favorite stitch? Um, it's like asking me to choose my favorite child. <laughs> <laughs> God, I can't believe I said that. Anyway, um, yes, actually, I really like the half double. Half double. The half double. And I really like using post stitches because I think... Uh, I don't even think I know what a post stitch is. That's, yeah, that's instead of you crochet, instead of crocheting through the top of the stitch. Okay. You actually wrap around the post of the stitch. Oh, okay. Yes, of course. You can create ribbing and cables and just texture and you can give it a little bit of a um, stretch to it, you know, and get a little bit better drape. You know. Well, I can tell that you. I have a ways to go to be able to to be in your league of of crocheting. My problem is I'm into too many things. I'm into knitting, crocheting, weaving, spinning, right. felting. You name it. I like to do it, and and I'm usually doing more thing. You know, more about three or four things at once. So, I'll never be your caliber as a crocheter, <laughs> but but that's okay. You know, we all have our place, right? Um, <laughs> well, um, let's see here. Um, do you have any? Uh, advice for other people that are looking to break into design, whether it be knitting or whatever else? Well, the things that have helped me the most is to find somebody that's willing to mentor me. Like Annie Modisett, for example, she doesn't, she probably doesn't even realize, but just little comments she makes have helped to, to keep me focused or to focus me or to answer my questions. You know, that, you know, coming into it new, I just didn't know. So having a resource like that is invaluable. Um, I recommend finding um, a professional society to join, like 
the Crochet Guild of America or the, you know, knitting version of that. The people are very helpful and they can help guide you. Uh, usually the industry um, belongs to these groups also and come to their national meetings and you can meet editors and publishers. So if you have ideas, you can, you know, start to network. I would think the, the most important thing to do is to just start submitting your designs to, you know, any magazine or any publisher you can uh, find and just keep doing it until you, until you figure out where your place is in the industry because, um, you know, there are a lot of designers out there. So, you know, the competition's really tough. You, you have to find your niche. You have to, to figure out what you can bring to the design industry that's not being uh, represented yet. And then I think once you get going, you can do very well. I encourage anybody to, uh, to give it a shot. And to, you just have to work really hard. Probably the hardest you ever work. And uh, not everybody has to be a full-time designer. You know, there there is a place in the design world for somebody who only wants to publish something once a year or twice a year, but would get the satisfaction of that. Right, and for some people, there are people out there who believe that if they only if they did their their art or their craft full-time, they might not enjoy it as much. Exactly. But it sounds like for you, this is truly your passion, and you want to do this full-time, and it works for you. Yeah, working full time as a crochet designer is like a dream come true. Yeah, well, it's so I'm so happy to to, to hear that this worked out so well for you. And um, I want to tell people also uh, if we can maybe um, just give a list real quickly about of your publications that you you have your book. The book's coming out this fall, and again, tell us the title one more time. Men who knit and the dogs who love them. <laughs> That's going to be fun. Um, is that going to be patterns and profiles? Yeah, it's uh, knit patterns. Uh, by the designer Annie Modisit and uh, profiles of man, male knitters. That's my contribution. I see. Well, that'd be really fun. And, and uh, again, we'll update me, please, when that's sure. coming out, um, and we'll update our listeners here. Um, and also, where else can we find your your work? I know you're on. Uh, you're one of the. I am so addicted to whip up the <laughs> website. Oh my goodness! Isn't it wonderful? It is. It's glorious. It's, yeah. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. I'm going to put a link to that on my website because I think it's just totally fabulous. And um, I'll have to track down the, the, the brainchild behind that because I would love to yeah. speak to the I can creator. Send your, her name and email. Yeah, fantastic. Because I want to talk, I want to dedicate a whole show she's to from it. Australia. Is she Australia. She's conducting this from Australia? Yeah. Oh my goodness. You know, I am just so, but you know, I, I could go on, and I will in, in another episode um, about how fabulous that is. How did you get. Um, an opportunity to be part of it. Well, amazingly, um, I believe uh, Regina was the first person you interviewed. Yes, she was. Yeah, and bless her because um, <laughs> I was a little shaky back then, um, yeah. you know, and that was only in uh, January, but it was my very first episode. So I was asking her to be on a show that didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> so it took quite a leap of faith for her um, to go with that. But, yes, yeah, so Regina connected you then with... Yeah, Regina's a real good friend of mine. Um, we've known each other. She started blogging about two weeks after I did last year. Okay. We've been a real support for each other. Uh, she's, of course, absolutely incredible. I mean, I, I feel so, like, I'm not worthy when I look at her stuff. It's, like, so creative. Well, what you guys are so, doing different things with different, this, with, right. with crocheting, but right. it's so different, the work, and um, I think you both excel in each thing that exactly. you're each, you know. And we've encouraged each other. Like, oh, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. 
so that's been a real nice thing. But anyway, she uh, she was a contributor. Now I don't know how she got hooked up, except that she's incredible and everyone knows her. Um, but she interviewed me a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. I did see that on there. Yeah. She and then um, the the organizer of Whip Up, Catherine. She emailed me and said, I really enjoyed that. Would you want to be our first uh, gentleman contributor? So I jumped all over that. I was like, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm contributing to Whip Up uh, once a week, and my main focus uh, is on men who craft. Okay. So uh, all my contributions will be about men. Oh, that's great. That's great because we need to hear about more of them. And and just for those who don't know, um, can you give a brief description of Whip Up? Well, Whip Up is, um, I think, essentially, it's uh, a website that showcases the complexity of crafts. It shows that there's so much more out there than you even realize. And there are people that are doing incredibly diverse, creative things with crafting. That um, And it brings it all together. It, there, I think there are 22 contributors now. And so we're all out there just trying to find the best of the craft world and bring it all together into one place so everyone can see it. Oh, that's a fabulous idea, and yeah. and uh, that's fabulous for you to get to um, oh, be a part of it. Oh, that I'm so grateful for. Yeah, and um, and so, okay, so you're contributing to Whip Up. Mm-hmm. Um, you have your own publications available on your website, your pattern. Um, a line of patterns, yeah. And then um, what, where else we have? We talked about your book. Where else can we find you out there? Um. I'll be featured in the next Crochet Pattern of Day calendar, which I ended up ha- uh, helping to edit this year, which was a great opportunity, too. And do you have any um, magazine articles coming up? Uh, I'm going to have one of my um, crocheted items in the fall issue of Interweave Crochet. Okay. Uh, and that's coming out this fall. I'm very thrilled with that because I love their, their magazine. Their, Crocheted items are so incredible in that magazine. Well, that'll be fun, too. And, and maybe when that's available, that sounds like that'll be roughly around the same time as your that's book. Cool. So maybe we'll do an update with those two. I'll try to track down uh, the publications, and then I can uh, rave about them. Right. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> can you tell? I mean, my day job is, you know, it takes up a lot of my time, but I have to say, I, I'm so distracted all the time because all I, could, all I can think of is who I'm going to talk to next about crafts. <laughs> oh, that's great. You stay focused that way. It's so fun. Um, and uh, I don't know if you have any any other any other things you'd like people to know about you, your work, um, anything I didn't ask you about. Um, I did hear on my list of things to go over um, was your best and worst projects. Like if you've had a, any craft blunders. Craft blunders? Or any or is is the craft dude so, or the cro- the crochet dude so so good that he never makes a mistake? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'll take B. <laughs> craft blunders? Um, uh, yeah, pretty much on a daily basis, something doesn't turn out right. I mean, that's just the nature of the of the beast. Yeah, you, know, you you just you think something's going to work and it doesn't. You just have to correct it. You know. I make, um, I don't, I don't go out there like trying to publish my blunders, you know. Well, I can imagine. Like, oh, this is yeah. great, even though it looks like, you know, crap. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of keep them to myself as far as. Well, that's probably a very wise, uh, well, wise move, because I think I seem to be maybe a little too public with my blunders. <laughs> um, 
But you see, when weird stuff happens to me, or I, you know, make something, something goes awry, I, um, since I'm a writer, um, of course, people don't really know me as a writer in this venue because I'm a talker. <laughs> but and you're really good at it. Well, I don't know about that. I, I, I appreciate that, though. I, I, I do think there are people that are a little more professional and on the ball. Um, but I like to just have it, keep it fun and conversational, and um, make it like a real conversation, which it is. This is, there's nothing scripted about this, which I think is pretty obvious. Um, what page are we on? Pardon me? What page are we on? I lost my spot. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> at first I was like, is he serious? <laughs> I, I'm a little sleep deprived these days, and I keep Aww. falling for when people, you know, it's happened to me a few times this week where people will say things, and I'll get either completely outraged or... I'd be like, oh my gosh, is that true? <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing because I've been quite gullible. It seems like the more, you know, if I don't have any sleep, I'm, I'll believe anything. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so getting back on track, I'm trying to figure out where I even was here. Uh-oh. But, oh, yeah, about the blunders. Yeah, I, I seem to be a little too public sometimes. <laughs> well, it's, sometimes it's fun for a laugh if it's a funny blunder. Well, that's the thing. I mean, if it's something that you can actually cash in for a good story, you know, um, to captivate an audience, you know. And, I, and when I have them like that, I'll, I tend to put them on my blog. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, you want to be selective because you want those designers, the, you know, pattern, uh, uh, or the, the yarn companies to keep sending you that free yarn. <laughs> Take me serious and send me for yarn. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have to send back. Yeah, they have to send. They should send some extra maybe next time. It's not actually free so much as borrowed. Yeah. They allow me to borrow yarn for a day or two. Well, I suppose that as things things continue to improve for you, I think you'll get to the point where you might be able to become uh, a regular recipient of free yarn that you might be able to keep. Really? Well, I think I'm just hoping that that hat can happen. Yeah, because I really don't have any connections with um. (laughs) <laughs> anybody who's giving, out, giving free, out free yarn, but I don't know if anyone gets free yarn if they get the keys. Oh, I hope you know. I hope that's not true because I just kept thinking that you know, if one day I decided to be a designer, I would get free yarn that I would get to keep. <laughs> so <laughs> I think we need to keep the dream alive. I think. Dream alive. Yeah. Um, last last thing is, I'm curious about if anybody's asked you to make you know commissioned anything like bizarre from you. Anything bizarre? Yeah, like someone said, you know, I want you to crochet some, you know, a cover for my car or something crazy. My neighbor across the street, if she listens to this, I apologize in advance. But well, she probably doesn't. But anyway, <laughs> I'm not going to tell her. Uh, she probably reads my blog. Oh. Got to stop saying, "Oh, my crazy neighbor." Um, anyway, I made up this um, purse for a certain yarn company that was. Uh, Inspired by Ferragamo, let's put it that way. Okay. I don't like the word knockoff. Sounds cheap. <laughs> inspired by Ferragamo. And it's actually, you know, it came out really nice. I showed it to her because she's a girl. Right. And I like to show my stuff to the girls to see the reaction. Right, I'm right. I'm not a girl, so I can't react properly. Right. So, you know, and if she goes, ooh, that's like, oh, right. And if she goes, ooh, then I go, oh, no. But anyway, so she loved it. She goes, you should make up a thousand of these. <laughs> And sell them, uh, you know, to Macy's or something. And I was thinking, a thousand of them. Gosh, you know, first I need, you know, sixty-five thousand dollars for the supplies, and then I would need six and a half years, right, right, of working full time, right. By that time, it might be out of style, right, right. So that kind of was a bizarre request. So it's just the bizarre things people say. 
Well, the, the, they don't realize that uh, crocheted purses that are in production, potentially in other countries, have, you know, hundreds to thousands of people working on them. You know? Right. True. It's not one person sitting there, pump, you know, pumping out enough to supply the, the stores. Well, what you need to do is manage to get one of your purses on the, you know, you need a, someone to take it on the red carpet. Exactly. And then... Who do you know? Oh, I don't know. Believe me. I just have these ideas. Oh, I don't. <laughs> yeah. I, I, if I had a connection, I'd let you know. Um, but, uh, and I'm in Michigan, keep in mind. How many connections do you think people in West Michigan have to L.A., uh, the, the the red carpet walkers in L.A. <laughs> well, what's your name from uh, from the X Files is from Grand Rapids. Did you see? Well, that's true. Hey, you know what? You might be able to work that connection. Yeah. Wait till she's Did in the you next. The you know, I don't know. Well, we haven't probably seen her out doing a whole lot lately. Yeah. I hope she doesn't listen to the show either. <laughs> love you. Wish you the we best. You. you know, <laughs> kisses. Yeah, you know, if, if Jennifer Aniston's listening. We love you more. Yeah. <laughs> You I should. Have a purse with your name yeah, you should. You should make. You should make something lovely and send it off to somebody famous, someone who's nice and famous. Like I think Julia Roberts would maybe really like a purse. Yeah, I think she. She's just a classy woman. Yeah, and I really like her. Are um, you saying that because you think she listens to this show? No, you know I. Oh, could you imagine if she listened to my show? Oh my gosh, I I would I don't know even know I'd probably like well I'd pass out, but I think that might be the way to go. If you can get you know one of your designs on the shoulder of someone famous, who's classy and famous, very nice person, they might um, put you on the map as far as you know. Then yeah. people would be willing to pay a lot of money for um, one of your designs. To take a lot of money for anything. Yeah, yeah. Most I of know. us are you know. <laughs> okay, so that's the plan. That's the plan. Okay. Okay. And if I get any connections, I will I'll, I'll pass those on. Oh, I'm so glad we talked, because <laughs> yeah. now I know what the plan is. <laughs> so as far as the future projects, besides making a purse for a famous actress, right. uh, what else do you have on, on tap? Do I need anything else? I, I know that's going to consume a lot of your time, right. I know. Because then, it, you know, then it's all the stores and the models. Right, and then you're going to really have to make a thousand. Carpet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then the movie. The award shows. Then the movie. Yeah, the movie, the dude, the, dude, the movie. <laughs> you know, someday I want to get into document, not documentary filmmaking, so if I do, maybe I'll have to consider Crochet Dude, the, the documentary, you know, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Behind the yarn. Behind the yarn. <laughs> He's addicted to free yarn. That's a true story. Oh, goodness. Well, we're having all so much fun. Um, but uh, You had a question in there. What was it? I did have a question. Your future plans. My your future plans? Yeah, your future projects. What's next? Oh, what's next? Like, after the book this fall and after the magazine article this fall, like, what else? What do you, what do you hope to, to do? What's your yeah, ultimate goal? I currently goal? have a, a book in, um, that are in talks right now with uh, felted crochet items. Okay. That's not, there's no contract signed, but that's in the works. Um, I have probably, probably six more um, patterns that I want to put into my line this year. Um, I'm putting together right now, I'm putting together some crochet workshops that I hope to um, tour the country, putting them on at uh, yarn stores. Oh, excellent. Are you going to come to Grand Rapids? Absolutely. Anyone, anywhere. Put, you know, put together little tours like go do the Midwest, go do the East. You should go home to Sagatuck for that. Oh, I know. Because that's just such a cool place. I and know. I will sign up if you Absolutely. tell me. Tell me Apparently what it they is. they have a really cool yarn shop downtown now. Yeah, they do. They do. Yep, they do. And, yeah, I would totally sign up, so let me know. Absolutely. Well, you'd probably hear about it anyway. Julia would call you and say, hey, guess who's in town? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So anyway, I want to those workshops. Uh, I'm certainly developing them. I have them on the drawing board, so to speak. Well, that is just fabulous. I, I wish you, you know, the best of luck. I think uh, this has been great, great fun. Fantastic. Thank place. you for being generous with your time. I really appreciate yeah, no it. No problem. Anytime. Wow, isn't it great to hear so much from a shy guy? I love it when people tell me they're shy, then talk to me at length. Thank you, Drew. You made my day. <laughs> And thanks for sharing your wonderful story, Drew. It's so interesting that all along he was crocheting and never considered making a career out of it until someone else suggested that he try submitting his designs. This might be a good time for all of us to look at our own lives and think about what we love to do and consider how we might be able to turn that into a career or at least spend more time doing the things we love as opposed to slogging through our days wishing we were doing something else. And remember to check out CraftSanity.com for links to the crochet dude and check out the lovely pattern he's generously given us to try. He calls it a dishcloth, but man, you know, I really think it's too pretty for that. And it would look lovely under a vase of fresh cut roses. But if you make one, you get to decide how you use it in your own home. I'm going to take a stab at redeeming myself here. I'm terrible with names, especially when I'm sleep deprived, as I'm kind of always a little sleep deprived these days. So this is my big chance to redeem myself. During the interview with Drew, I blinked and couldn't retrieve the name of the fastest crocheter in the world. And personally, I don't think there's anything more annoying is when someone brings something up and then can't remember what it is they want to say. So I apologize for that. The name I couldn't remember is Lily Chin. She is the fastest crocheter in the world. And she's also a fantastic knit and crochet designer. And I apologize that I couldn't retrieve her name from the tangle of yarn in my head. I am going to post a link to Lily's website from my page. And that's all wish her luck because she's set to defend her crochet title in Melbourne, Australia at the end of June. One last note before I sign off. I'm going to start posting reviews, informational articles, and audio reports about craft-related products and services on my website. Uh, These reports are intended to inform you not to swindle you into buying anything. I do not get paid to mention any of these items. Let me repeat, I do not get paid to mention any of these items. So essentially I am insane and I'm spending more of my time on this podcast, (laughs) but I really love all the listeners and I want to do what I can to help you learn more about crafts. So this is my, my gift to you. Hopefully you'll like it. Um, if in the future an advertiser or two or three or four, five or six comes along makes me an offer that I cannot refuse. I will, of course, take the deal. But I'll let you know when I'm being paid to mention an item. I won't just have subliminal messages throughout my podcast. Buy this. This is fabulous. Um, No, I would be totally straightforward about that. Um, And as I said right now, I'm not getting paid. I'm not generating any revenue from this site. Um, There's a lot of cool things out there that I hear about, people tell me about them, or I just find them on my own. And I'd like to share the information. So in a very long-winded nutshell here, What I'm trying to say is that I will tell you about projects and services that I think are cool. And basically, you know, I'm not going to discuss anything that doesn't float my boat because I don't want to have to listen to myself complain about anything. You know, I do it enough in real time. I don't want to record it and play it for the world. So if I don't like it, you won't hear about it from me. Um, In the coming days, I'm going to be posting reports on Yarn of the Month. It's a subscription-based yarn sampling program. And I also have a review of the cordless cold heat glue gun. So um, check those out at craftsanity.com under the reviews link. 
Today's musical selection is Lucky This Time by Greg Tannen from the wonderfully cool Podsafe Music Network. What we do without the Podsafe Music Network. Okay, so it's time to let you get on with your day. So go forth and craft sanity, my friends. Last night was goodbye to the city Looking kind of pretty Sun heading off of your spots But the road's looking better You could take the whole river And you couldn't put out these engine fires Well, hey la, I'm gonna be just fine Hey la, I feel lucky this Hey la, I feel lucky this time Trucks on my tail Radio on and that I'm going to hell Fast food junkies Swerving in their RVs And taking up all of the road Make a quick move in the room Hoping the boys and blue Don't stop me going well, Hey la, I'm going to be just fine Hey la, I feel lucky there Hey la, I feel lucky this time Sandy on Podcast Alley once a month. You 
can also make a donation or buy goods at the Craft Sandy store. Have a suggestion for a future guest or have other feedback? Email jennifer at craftsandy.com. Thanks again for listening to Craft Sanity.